You're listening to DC Domination on the Novastream Network, your weekly guide for the DC Comics universe. For all the latest on The Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, and Legends of Tomorrow, keep it locked on novastream.com.au. Hello and welcome to the DC Domination podcast, where today we are discussing the CW's major crossover event, Crisis on Earth. X. Now, it's not only special because we're talking about one of the best crossovers ever. It's also special because it's our final podcast under the title DC Domination. However, we will be rebranding this podcast and coming back with something fresh and exciting in February. But before I give away any spoilers for you Doctor Who fans, let's talk about, you know, who's on the show today. My name is Brittany and with me we have the Novastream Top Gun, Alistair. Hello. And our guest host for today, from a country far, far away, is Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. <laughs> hey, guys. Hello, Brittany. Hello, Alistair. Hello, Australia. Hello, world. Thank you so much for having me on, guys, really. Yeah, Thanks no, for coming it's, on. It's so good to have you. Is this your first Australian podcast? Uh, yes. <laughs> Woo! Oh, well, there we go. Yeah. Welcome to the world of Australian podcasts. Thank Hopefully, you. No you pressure. can understand us. Hopefully, we can understand you. <laughs> every, time he the, say, uh, every time he says Joss Whedon, I, my microphone just stops. I, I can't understand the accent. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, the trolling begins <laughs> well, already. I love it. <laughs> this is going to be great. Get the boxing gloves out, kitties. <sighs> so, Ooh. how about you, Alistair? How are you going? Are you? How did you like Justice League? Um, do you know what? I loved Justice League. I've seen it five times and four of those were within 24 hours of like You're four kidding. times in 24 hours. So Gee, that's dedication. I, well, the first two were media screenings and the third was a already purchased gold class ticket because um, I wasn't sure we were going to get into media and we did twice. Thank you, Roadshow. Love you forever. And then the fourth was a, hey, we're going to the movies tonight with some friends. Cool. What are we seeing? Justice League. Oh. Okay. Um, (laughs) Do you know, I think I need to go see it again because I've been bogged down with negative internet comments and I'm starting to form a, yeah, maybe it wasn't as good as I thought it was. So I think I need to go back and do a little refresh to... That's actually really funny, though, that you've, you're getting the negative comments because I see it, just so much positivity coming out of the film. What about oh, yourself, Bizzle? Uh, Jesse, what do, you, what do you think of the Justice League film? All right. So I'll try and keep this <clears throat> excuse me, somewhat short. Brittany knows this. Um, I did grow up a Marvel guy. I do generally <gasps> like the MCU. Um, well, let me be. Let me. Fair. I actually grew up an X Men guy. Uh, so while I'm not oh, a yeah. gigantic fan of Fox Studios, when they put out a really good X Men movie, or like Logan, for example, like that's my real stuff. I did not growing up mm-hmm. caring about Hulk or Captain America or Thor. Um, and the fact mm-hmm. that MCU has made those characters mostly interesting to me is a testament to the, all the people involved. Um, I like the Dark Knight movies. The you know the the, the last pre you know DCEU DC movies. Um, and liked them. I wasn't, you know, like totally crazy uh, about it. And I, you know, sort of so-so on Man of Steel. And I hope this doesn't get me hate mail, but I honestly don't care at this point. I hated Batman v Superman, but it, it was just a taste thing. <laughs> I hate you, Jesse. Get off my podcast. <laughs> I know, I know. It, like, I, and so I don't even try and engage on that one that much because it was just a, like it left a bad taste in my mouth. 
um, to be fair, that movie and Civil War were kind of the same movie. Uh, and I think part of the bad taste in my mouth about Batman v Superman is I, it, I then it really lowered um, my sort of excitement for Civil War, and then Civil War was kind of disappointing. Whatever, blah 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 blah. Um, I also, you know, like I'm not. I am someone who likes directors. I definitely don't want to get into Joss Whedon fight here. I, I'm not a fan of the, the Zack Snyder <laughs> style. I got nothing personal against the guy. Actually, here as a person, he's a really really great guy, and that always you know is important. And the actors love him. They're still defending him in the media. I mean, today there's quotes from Ezra Miller. I mean, they're constantly, you know, uh, Ray Fisher was wearing a Zack Snyder t-shirt and, you know, the premiere and stuff like that. I mean, they, they, actors love him and I appreciate that. It's just not my style. I really like Justice League and I went in with low expectations, so that helps. Um, and I actually thought that I, I liked the idea of multiple directors working on a movie. Maybe it's because I'm such a big Star Wars fan and people were so critical before Rogue One even came out that they had like multiple writers and directors working on it at different times and I love that movie so much that sort of opened my eyes like okay two directors could work I think it's indisputable that Justice League was rushed and they probably should have pushed it back a little bit I also know that Zach and Josh are friends in real life and that Josh was working on it before Zach even left um, and I definitely did not go in being like I'm going to try and spot the Zack Snyder parts and I'm going to try and spot the, the Josh Whedon parts I really liked it I just it made me laugh I told Brittany this I was like look it made me laugh. I was rooting for them the whole time. I didn't even care about the villain stuff because I just love the team dynamic. And when it comes to team-up movies, that's why I love the first Avengers. That's why I personally love Age of Ultron, even though I know I'm in the minority there. And that's why I really like the Justice League. And that's why I'm probably going to like Avengers Infinity War more than it probably deserved to. I love the team-up stuff when it's done well. So sorry for the long-winded response, but as a Marvel <laughs> guy who I should mention loves, 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 loves Wonder Woman. And that's what kind of connected me with Brittany along with Batgirl and and so I also think I went in um, with actually less low expectations than I thought but just because of, of Gal Gadot and, and the Wonder Woman stuff so that's my extremely long answer to a short question <laughs> no well that's good I think our listeners uh, really have gotten to know you now as yeah. well as what you like and what you what you're all about which is really fantastic too but one of the things that I thought about the film is that I was really surprised how much I loved the flash like Ezra Miller played a really good character because I was I remember you saying something similar Jesse that we kind of thought he was going to be annoying but I kind of was trying to keep a positive attitude in that you know it's something different we haven't seen a hero like this before and he was so lovable I really did like him I feel like a lot of his dialogue was Joss uh, like yeah. especially the line pet cemetery <laughs> like I was like that's Joss that's Joss. That's Joss. And I liked that. Mm. And it was so different from the CW Flash that it works. Absolutely. And this is nothing against the CW Flash. because No, we can and see, I didn't mean that in a... Yeah, no, but I just... Yeah. But I think that's what's really good in, like, the first, uh, what, 10 minutes of us talking, we all realise that movies don't have to be against the television version and nor does Marvel have to really be against DC. In that there's so much good content everywhere and we can have so much fun enjoying all of it. But with that, let's uh, let's jump right into the crossover event. So, yeah. Can I just say one more thing? Sorry, can I say one more thing about comic book movies this year? Shoot. Logan was the best. Yeah, I think we can all agree with that. Hands, Hands down. Yeah, and a question I'd love to just throw to you guys hypothetically for the future is. 
are rated R comic movies really the only way to get excellent comic book movies going forward? Like a Batgirl rated R comic book movie. We know the Channing Tatum so Gambit good. movie finally is happening. And, um, it's going to be rated R. Um, you know, it's interesting to think whether the PG thirteen format is played out when it comes to comic book movies. I don't know the answer to that. I think it'll work for Avengers and Justice League and stuff like that. But I don't know. Like, I'm probably the only person in the world who think who thought that Deadpool was overrated. Well, yeah. I like Ryan Reynolds as a guy, and he played a good character, but it was overrated. And I feel like Deadpool 2 is already, I'm over it. Mm. That, that's, I'm, I'm totally fine with that, yeah. And it hasn't even come out. However, <laughs> I... I do think R-rated films is going to create a wonderful new range of superhero films because I'm very excited for oh, New yeah. Mutants. Have you guys seen the trailer to it? I've is, n- it's, it's it's very is horror-y, this the right? horror. Yeah. This is the horror yeah. one, right? I don't even like yeah. horror, but I'm watching yeah. this and I'm like, this looks yeah. awesome. Oh, Brittany, you love horror. Oh, it's so amazing. I say <laughs> as I clutch you in terror while watching The Conjuring. <laughs> <laughs> Best day of my life. I agree Deadpool is overrated just because nothing should or could be rated that highly. Uh, and while I've seen it, I think, twice, that's enough. Um, I think the Deadpool teasers are as funny as the movies, but I knew my first thought coming out of that movie, honestly, was, okay, this is going to allow the rated R Wolverine movie to happen. And so, for nothing else, I'm happy that that happened. <laughs> um, yeah, my other sure. really, really, really last quick thought is, look, I'm a Marvel guy, <laughs> but I did love Wonder Woman. I really like Justice League. The people who claim that Rotten Tomatoes, is, there's a conspiracy, need to look at who owns Rotten Tomatoes, and I'll just leave it at that. Um, however, I do think that it's getting to the point where there is a psychological complex among both media and audience where they go into Marvel movies expecting them to be good, and they go into DC movies expecting them not to be good, which only yeah. makes this Wonder Woman success even more amazing. But I do think mm-hmm. that Justice League at a 39% and Doctor Strange at like a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes is Ridiculous. insane. Yes. It is insane. Doctor yeah. Strange deserves 30%. It wasn't, yeah, Doctor Strange definitely wasn't up there. But if we look at the, um, the IMDb ratings, we can see that Wonder Woman is, in fact, the best film that Warner Brothers has come out with. Um, and that, uh, what was it, Justice League is actually a close second. So, I mean, there's yeah. great, great uh, stats there as well. But one thing that's really interesting, looking at the the grading system on imdb for the crossovers that we will finally get into right now is that part one part two part three all had the same rating they're all 9.2 and the final one got 9.4 now do you think the first i guess parts of this were that equal like i honestly thought the first one was like leaps and bounds ahead of the um, the Arrow Part 2 episode. I, I thought the Arrow one, the Arrow episode did dial back a little bit, um, but I don't know whether it was because the first part was so good and it was bringing all of these heroes together. So for me, I was like, oh, oh my God, oh, oh my God, oh, oh my God, <laughs> and an hour of that. And then hour number two when it's kind of okay so now this is the story so i don't know whether it was just because we were so like on a high with seeing all these characters come to a wedding rehearsal dinner crashed by nazis that amazing church scene and then Mm -hmm. to kind of dial it back and down a bit i don't know if it's just 
for me, it was like a come down. It was like, okay, it's not actually bad. It's just shifting. It's not as action paced. Shifting gear. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I put it down to because episode three, whoa, episode four, I'm done. Like, I was, wow. yeah, I was definitely destroyed. Wow. But what, what do you, what do you think, Jesse? How are you looking at these stats here with the first three parts being so equal? Okay, so I, I bought the episodes on Amazon because I freaking hate commercials. Um, also, people don't realize that HDTV is not HDTV in the true sense. Like, <laughs> what you're getting from your cable yeah. is 1080p, not 1080i, or maybe no, it's the other way around. You're getting 1080i, not 1080p. So, if you want, Do you want to, yeah. sorry to interject. Yeah. Sorry to interject there. So, for our Australian listeners, we don't get 1080p on our Foxtel cable. It's SD. Oh, wow. Standard. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's extra so reason to get the episodes you, online. You lucky bastard. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But then I get even more spoiled because I get stuff through Amazon and then it's like 1080 Super HD. And it, it's like watching a crystal clear uh, movie feed or whatever. But mostly I just like being able to watch it on my devices, on the go. So yeah. I watched the first yeah. two back-to-back and I watched the second two back-to-back. And I didn't really think mm-hmm. that hard, honestly, guys, about which was under which uh, person's episode because they were billing it so hard. And like for me, the Oliver stuff in episode three stands out way more, um, even though that was quote unquote the flash episode, right? Mm. (laughs) Now episode three, I'm going to, I'm sorry. I'm going to jump in right there because I feel like that needs its own, own section in this podcast because it was just, it really focused on, um, uh, like a scary historical aspect from Nazis and World War Two. We can laugh about punching Nazis and stuff, but there were real victims there. And I think I might – we'll keep number three for later in the podcast yeah. where we can really just look at, at it and delve into like how it really – I felt like it looked at it well. I felt like it mm. handled it with quite care and um, after after all the kind of jokes of, I hate Nazis and stuff. Yeah. From Heatwave. <laughs> so, yeah, I won't go into specifics, but I do think, I, you know, I was planning on looking at the four episodes as, as a big movie. And I think, you know, blockbuster yeah. movies still mostly stick to the old school three act structure. But I really think there were four distinct acts um, in, in this, which was very impressive. I have to disagree a little bit with the lead up to the wedding. Maybe it's because I haven't been watching the shows this season. And other than Arrow um, and Supergirl, I haven't been watching Flash and Legends that much the last couple of years and I, i'm just very sorry guys i'm i'm just I, I'm, I'm i get i get quickly um nauseated by both the men and women seemingly at times only being able to talk about their love interests or whatever i think supergirl for me is the only show that handles this well week to week overall um which is yeah which is very true yeah, yeah. so um that, that being said it was very sweet i always love seeing the characters come together um and spoiler alert the fact that Alex and um, I always just think of Katie Lotz as Katie Lotz. What the hell is her name in the show? <laughs> <laughs> Alex. Uh, um, Beautiful Alex. Yeah. So 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 Wade Canary and and and, uh, and uh, Alex uh, getting together. That was like such an MCU moment in some ways, only in the sense of connected universes. That I it's so obvious, mm-hmm. quote unquote, that maybe they would try that, but I never considered it, and mm-hmm. it happened in such a natural way. And it's a credit to those actresses and a credit to the writers that they made it feel so mm-hmm. natural and yet unexpected. So that. 
that was certainly a highlight. Not that it happened, but the way that it happened and the way that they dealt with each other and talked with each other going forward and kicked ass with each other. That, that, those two might have been my favorite arc, um, without jumping too far ahead over the four episodes, if we're just talking about characters. So I don't know. I, I think all the episodes were, were, were great overall. I, it's, but, but it's hard for me to sort of distinguish them at this point. Absolutely. But uh, that is actually a great lead into the part one Supergirls episode where we actually see these characters who we haven't seen interact in a long time or characters we've never seen cross paths before. And these amazing stories and, and, and character development that happens that comes from it, especially with Alex and Sarah. But then also seeing the, the, the next step for, um, for Heatwave and Caitlin Snow, Heatwave has no idea that Killer Frost has come about. But what are Alistair, what are some of your favorite random buddy ups in the first episode? Um I think we've already gone through it. The Alex and Sarah thing was definitely. That was the, the best. Yeah, it was um, but I think just when God, I'm gonna sound so gay. When <laughs> Melissa Benoist starts singing at the wedding, yeah. I don't know what it is about her but whenever she sings i like go fetal and just bawl like a child (laughs) and i was sobbing and my partner was looking at me like i was insane (laughs) and it was just such a good moment and the camera just panned across all of these characters that we love um except for diggle can i just say yeah Yeah, Digger was like MIA. Can I just say, where the F was Diggle? Dude, where the F is Thea? I'm like, I'm really upset at this point because now oh, it's been two seasons. Um, you're really not caught up on Arrow, the Arrow, Arrow series. <laughs> no, I, I know. My buddy Matt, who's a huge DC fan, caught me up on the storyline, but I'm saying from a contractual standpoint, I hope she's making movies or something. I don't understand it. Uh, maybe she's an unpopular character. I think she's great. And um, Oh, she is amazing. Yeah, so I like her. They turned her character around. She was the only really good thing that came out of season three. Yeah. Well, I, was gonna, I mean... Oh, yeah. Well, this, I, that's her season. You know, that was the season where um, her and Malcolm Merlin, that was such a fascinating storyline to me, and I love the League of Assassins. That's a different, that's a different story. Sorry. Mm. But uh, that leads on really well because we're looking at the the wedding in part one and that was a fantastic fight scene that we got from that. But we, we also start to see the um, Felicity and Ollie relationship grow a little bit more. I have never really been a fan of this. But, I mean, what do you guys think? Do you think they should get married? I just I, – I was with Felicity on this one. No, I love them. I love oh. Felicity. I want them to get married and when they did – I don't care that it was attack on. Yeah. I liked that it was done that way so we don't have to sit through another wedding episode mm. for two, like in a couple of episodes time it was smart it was well timed and I think the journey across the three episodes to get them married at the end made sense and it was justified. And especially the Nazi story being so close to her heart. I think mm-hmm. kind of made her character realize what's important and what she wants. And she's not just being a silly girl drinking champagne in the spa. Um, this is real life. This is what she wants. So I thought it made sense. And um, Iris looked so pissed that her moment was taken away. <laughs> oh, that's actually, that's actually funny. Cause a lot of um, Iris really gets bagged on the flash. She, yeah, a lot of people don't like her. A lot of people hate the fact that she says, we are the Flash, Barry. And everyone's yeah. just like, no, you're not. You're not running yeah. everywhere. 
But oh. um, because you haven't you haven't watched the rest of the season, Jesse, I was wondering how did you come up come across uh, Iris's character? How did you did you like her? Did you think she was underrated, underused? The fact that I've seen only the first two Flash seasons in whole and a little bit of three, and to me their dynamic has changed not at all, um, justifies me not watching that show. Because I agree, Iris is so mishandled. I think that actress is good, but they give her no material. They give her bad lines. And, you know, to tie in with your question before, I love Oliver and Felicity. I I think they have much better chemistry than... than, um, Grant Gustin and Candace Patton, at least how it's written, uh, personally, um, I, I do think if B- Grant Gustin and uh, Stephen Amell would just smile more in general in these shows, everything would be helped, <laughs> including the relationships. Like, if Grant, maybe this is because as a teenager, I was the guy who like took all of my relationships way too seriously, and I was super existential about everything all the time, you know. But I'm so I hate talking about talking about the relationships and stuff like that. Like, let's just see them having fun and smiling, and like, you know what I mean, like being mischievous and whatever. Uh, I think this is a little bit more of a problem with The Flash for me, because Arrow is supposed to be kind of a darker, more brooding character um, in my experience. But at that same time, I do think Felicity is doing... um, I don't know if this is Felicity or Emily Bett Records is doing a little bit of the heavy lifting in that relationship, but I I definitely love them, and I get really angry at the Felicity haters. Um, But as I told Brittany, I think the Felicity haters are the same people that are hating on a lot of things that we love in, in common book property so i i've just learned to kind of tune it out at this point well actually while you were talking this is actually quite funny i'm looking at my notes trying to get some questions out of the synopsis and every single synopsis i've pasted into this schedule is exactly the same <laughs> they've only written one quick synopsis for every episode yeah nice job so there thinking, brick oh, okay that happened in the second one well, didn't that happen in the first one why is this happening again in the third one? Oh my goodness okay so yeah i'm still on holiday guys my head's a little bit behind so okay. um <laughs> but yeah what what was your um i think it was in episode three i think we can get to that because this is this is the big thing to come out of it whether or not um you know, the, the hurtful crimes that happened in World War II were treated with care. And mm. I kind of came away, I felt like it had been. But um, I was just wondering how you guys felt. Because, I mean, people were killed for the silliest of things. Uh, we'll, we'll start with Jesse this time. How did you feel, especially like when um, they finally came across with Felicity from Earth X? Okay, so... I- <laughs> CW has been so progressive on so many issues. Um, and the fact that they made Felicity Jewish early on in Arrow, but, you know, other than some Hanukkah jokes and so forth here or there, they haven't, like, rubbed it in your face. I, I think it was very tasteful. Um, uh, and I was fine with it, and I actually enjoy. Now, when I saw that this was going to be about punching Nazis from an alternate dimension, I wasn't even upset in advance um, that they probably weren't going to talk about the Jewish side of things because honestly, Captain America One did the same exact thing. I mean, Captain America One was all about Red Skull and Nazis, and they—I don't think they mentioned Jews or concentration camps once in that entire movie. Um, <laughs> That's it, very true. It's more of a—it's more of a patriotic thing than it is, you know, Jewish thing. Um, and on top of that. 
uh, you know, after the Jewish people, which were the main targets, the two main groups that were targeted and killed in World War II uh, were uh, gypsies, um, the Roma people, and um, gay people. Um, and mm-hmm. so the fact that the, 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 gay, the uh, anti-gay themes were being addressed so strongly, even up into and through the concentration camp scenes, I was like, okay, I, you know, I think this would have been easily solved by one line where they said, yeah, we killed all the Jews and now we're going out after everybody else. Because that would be the logical thing, right? I mean, if they're in the year 2017 in Earth X, the Jews would be dead. I mean, if the war of World War II didn't end in our world in 1945, like, me and my people, we would be goners, because um, the Nazis were about to mm. invade America and the rest of the world. So they could have just handled it that way, but nope, they saved it for episode three, and the scene with Felicity in the concentration camp robes and this yellow star, I honestly, I was just like a mess. I, 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 and, and, and the way they set it up with all of the other Oliver saving her, um, and, and freaking... Lance is so good when they give him good material. Holy shit, is that guy a great actor? Oh, he, he was is a brilliant villain. So that that whole his conversation yeah. with Sarah yeah. was terrifying. Yeah, yeah, and trying to get Oliver to shoot to shoot Felicity. Um, and so for mm-hmm. me, that was. I mean, I don't know if tasteful is a good usage in a situation like this, but I did think they ended up handling the Nazi thing in the social and historical relevance on a way deeper level than than I was expecting. Yeah. And uh, what about yourself, Alistair? How did you find they handled these these themes? Um, look, I really, like for me, I have, I'm not Jewish, so I have no connection to this apart from the obviously gay side of things. Um, I was surprised, to say the least, that they went that far down that storyline Theming-wise, um, seeing... Oh, I can't remember his name now. Damn it. Um, uh, um, the Ray? Yeah, and I was Captain just going to call him by his super name. The, um, the Ray and Captain Cold have that moment where he just... When they said, why are you here? And he said, I love the wrong person. And as soon, I was just like, oh, my God. And then when Captain Cold jumps in and saves them and they... And they have that moment and then there's a few more moments when they're I would I do want to say one thing, because I rewatched it last night. Okay. Because I thought I saw something and it annoyed me and I had to rewatch it to make sure <laughs> that I was correct. Okay. So there's a moment where they're suiting up and it's Arrow, Flash, Ray, and Captain Cold. Yeah. Do you remember the moment that I'm talking about? Is, is this in the control panel in the Nazi uh, gateway facility? Yeah. Okay, I think so. And Captain Cold and Ray share a kiss, and the camera flashes to Arrow and Flash, who visibly look uncomfortable to the point where Arrow, like, winces. I didn't notice that. And the first time I went, oh... I don't think that's what I saw. And I rewatched it and went, no, is, is that because Captain Cold in Earth One is a villain and it's weird seeing him as a good guy and now he's gay and he's kissing this guy. What the hell's going on? Mm. I, I don't know. No, that I, that I is a little troubling, but I, I would yeah. like to think. And I, I would could like be reading because... into it way too yeah. much. But it's will... just what I noticed and went, yeah. oh. Here's a theory. I, 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 you've seen it twice. I've only seen it once. I, I'm not going to claim that is or isn't what happened. A theory is, though, 
they were, especially the Flash, but everyone was visibly uncomfortable with the new Captain Cold being around the whole time and, and what to make of him. Yeah. So, I mean, with yeah. all of the stress, the, the positive stress on, on gay themes in this episode in the series in general, that would seem to be really, <laughs> really, 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 really out of place, which doesn't mean it didn't happen yeah. because, look, let's be honest, like, th- there's no moment where we're all going to all be enlightened about everything at every moment at every time. So they could have screwed up there. It's, it's very <laughs> possible. But I, to, mm. the amount of attention they put into the shows and these episodes in particular, that would seem to be very bizarre. Yeah, I thought, and I and I did think. Look, that's what it could be. It's probably just this whole situation is freaky. They're on a different Earth. <laughs> Captain Cold's good, and he's got a boyfriend. He goes, "That's not what I would say at all. I always make a plan, and it's a great plan." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can say I have missed Captain Cold Me though. Too. He yeah. so fit back and, into the team seamlessly, and yeah. I almost I like this this Captain Cold better. I mean, and he even when, has the dorky glasses from the comics. And when he said he was staying on Earth 1, I was like, oh my God, he's coming back. But no. <laughs> well, I'm going to I'm gonna actually take a punt here. I would actually think that on his Earth, before he met Ray from our, from our Earth, I would assume that he actually was in a relationship with Heatwave. And that's well, probably why he's come back, to try and help Heatwave. Well... Do you want some horrible news? Uh-oh. Give me some horrible news. <laughs> so, he's done with the character. Yeah. I did some research, and this is his last appearance in the DC TVU, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's, it's, pretty, oh. it's pretty public. Yeah, it's pretty public. <sighs> he's not pretty coming sad. back. So, he says. Pretty sad. That's so weird. Why would they set it up like that, and then all of a sudden, him not be in there anymore? <laughs> I don't know, but I don't like it. Because <laughs> I love well, him. Well, I guess... Yeah, I mean, with something that's so good as these uh, this four part crossover, I mean, there's got to be something that goes awry. Can, now, can, can I just say, really, I'm sorry, really quickly, wh- I don't understand why Disney is so great at hiding secrets and Warner Brothers is terrible. I knew the professor was going <laughs> to die. I knew Captain Cold wasn't coming back. Wonder Woman was mostly spoiled for me ahead of time. Justice oh. League was mostly spoiled for me ahead of time. I don't understand why they have such an issue. No one knows what's going to happen in Star Wars mm-hmm. after like 30 minutes into the movie. And it's freaking Star Wars. Why are they revealing these things before they happen? I didn't, I didn't know the professor was going to die. I knew he was going to die, but I knew he was leaving. So That destroyed I knew, me. I knew, I knew he was leaving the show, yeah. but I didn't know he was going to die until... He said, until he said to Ray, you're like a son to me, you're like my family. And I went, oh, no. Oh, no. This is it. <laughs> this is just He's a setup. He's going to die. It? Damn it. It's all a conspiracy <laughs> theory. But, um, yeah, that's actually one thing I really wanted to touch on because I kind of had a feeling going through those four episodes that it was going to happen. But the build-up, because it has heavily been um, – the uh, Jacks and Professor show on Legends for a while. And it hasn't been bad. I mean, it's just mm. been kind of funny. And then for it to come to them being quite a heavy set of characters in this crossover, because they haven't really been that big of a deal in any other season. And I kind of think they've done that justice. And I really I really was hit hard oh. when um, when the Professor was, was killed and how he died. But... But what about, um, it looks like you want to jump in and say something, Alistair. What are, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I, well, I, 
I can't really speak for Jesse because he hasn't watched. You haven't watched this season of Legends, have you? I haven't watched it, but I'm always keeping up on like what's going on. And my friend Matt, who's a giant CWTC fan, keeps me a little oh, bit surprised. Okay. But yeah, go ahead. All right, because this is like the best season of Legends they've mm-hmm. ever done. It does seem to be getting better each year, right? That seems to be the trend. Yeah, yeah. yeah the first, they're unashamedly the first, nerdy. Yeah, the first year I was like, yeah, this is good. And then year two, I was like, oh, I think I'm done with this show. And then this year, out of the four, this is the one I love the most this season. Um, And I'm not surprised about the emphasis on the professor. And look, Victor Garba is one of my favorite actors. So... Mm For me, I have that additional connection of I've loved you for years. Like, I loved you in Alias, that whole TV oh, show ride. Show. I loved you in Legally Blonde. Like, there's so many things that I've loved you in. And now you're giving me DC love for the last, what, four years? Mm. Four, five years. Um, and the thought of it being taken away just, I don't think, it really had an impact until this season of the legends where, as you said, he's more of an emphasis of the show, you know, they're trying to disconnect from each other so he can go back to his family. They're showing his wife and child a lot more this season. So I think it was all deliberate to build up to this moment, which made it more emotionally impactful. Um, the la- that last episode, absolute. I was a mess when they lowered his body. And when I saw the Jewish star on his coffin, that was like my whimpering point. (laughs) Just like they've done this storyline justice. God, I hate using that word. Um, But (laughs) truth and justice. (laughs) (laughs) But not the American way, son. No. I think they've just delivered for me like this and i sent this out in a tweet th- for me this crossover was the best 4 hours or whatever it is of television i've ever watched wow ever and i don't say that lightly uh, guys can can i do a very brief connection sidebar i know Brittany knows about Please, sidebars i'll try not to go sidebar, crazy here go. go go please why is nobody talking about how great superman was in justice league I freaking loved Henry Cavill in Justice League. <laughs> he w- he yeah. was smiling. Well, he he. I mean, if nothing no, else, he was amazing. He was. It's what we've wanted, but it didn't like the same way with Captain America. Like Cap should be super two dimensional at best, but Chris Evans just brings something to it. Even though I wasn't crazy mm. about Man of Steel or Batman v Superman, I always felt like Cavill could do it. And I'm going to give both Snyder and Joss Whedon credit on it for whatever they did in the new movie that I really loved watching Superman. And seeing him smiling at the end, I love the truth and justice. You know, I mean, he just delivers that stuff great. And, you know, to connect it to what we've been talking about, both DC Comics and um, Marvel Comics were written by immigrants initially or children of immigrants or people from minority communities, you know, Jews and and other, you know, immigrants from war and stuff like that. The X-Men obviously is very, very heavy with these kind of themes. Hmm. And seeing these themes being dealt in a very serious and grave but not overly heavy-handed way in this crossover series where it was all of the different groups coming together. And I think it was best encapsulated by the juxtaposition 
of evil Supergirl telling good Supergirl, we're blonde, we're Aryan, we deserve this, we're the best, oh. we're what they want, you know, the strong deserve to rule over and destroy the weak. And like two scenes later, when Felicity X was asking, you know, Oliver One why he was doing what he was doing, Oliver just goes, the strong are here to protect the weak. I was like, oh, like that couldn't have been a better juxtaposition of those two worldviews. I just thought they nailed it. Yeah. No, I'm glad you pointed that out. I missed that. That lovely f- connection. Superman, like Henry Cavill was great. His suit peeved me to no extent. Why was his suit so CGI and almost glowing? Why? Be- because I think they had to... I, I think they had to make it because... Here's my issue with Justice League. God, okay. this is going to be long. Um, <laughs> so, in just a bit of history. So, everyone's calling for a Snyder Cut and people are saying the Snyder Cut doesn't exist, which is a lie. It does. Snyder made the movie. It was screened to a test audience who didn't respond well to it. So, Warner planned screen shoots. Uh, screen shoots. Oh, my God. Planned reshoots. Um, to fix what the audience gave feedback, which is pretty much what fanboys and Marvel freaks were complaining about, which was too dark, not enough humor, Snyder vision, as they call it, (laughs) with that gray and, you know, dark-looking scenery. So the reshoots were planned. We all know what happened with his daughter. He stepped away. He was already working with Joss on the reshoots, and Snyder walked away and left it to Joss. Now, the room, well, not rumor, because Henry Cavill said it himself. When Henry went in for the reshoots, he said to Joss, this is my idea of the Superman character. Joss said, I agree. Um, and that's where everything kind of, for me, went downhill. I wish that we never knew about the CGI mustache, because I honestly believe if people didn't know, they wouldn't have been able to see or make a comment. I knew it was there. It still didn't bother me, but whatever. Yeah. The only time I noticed it was in the very first scene, the mobile phone coverage scene where I went, Oh, his face looks weird. Um, Mm. But at, at the end, I didn't actually notice it anyway. And part of the reshoots was to make Superman's suit and his whole character seem brighter and lighter as opposed to the, brooding emo person Superman in BVS uh, is well, a long-winded I guess, answer to that yeah. question. I think, I think it's probably um, just... I'm, so you I'm can blame Joss. Can I, can I, I'm, I'm a, not going to... Can I just give a filmmaking perspective on this? Because... Jump, jump in. And I'm going to make a comparison again to Rogue One because I'm more of a Star Wars expert than I am a um, uh, comic book movie expert by a little bit uh, and followed that you know supposed reshoot controversy very closely. The first problem is they're not reshoots, they're secondary shoots. So the naming is a problem. They always schedule at least two months of reshoots for these movies. They call them reshoots, but it's the same way like people think like, oh, they clearly dubbed that voice later. It's called, yeah, it's called ADR, right? I mean, they're terms for additional di- uh, dialogue recording. Like these things are built into the plans. So if they were like extra reshoots, that means there would have been reshoots and then reshoots of the reshoots. So I'm not saying there isn't enough Zack Snyder footage to build a movie around, but to think that he wasn't already going to do a month or two of additional shooting for his own movie 
makes no sense to me. Mm. So I'm not going to weigh in on whether there is a full cut or not, because in the same 24 hours, we've been told they wanted to extend his contract and then they wanted to get rid of him after Batman v Superman. So I don't think anyone (laughs) really knows what's going on back there. Like I said earlier, I do know that he and Joss are friends. And I also think people should be also blaming Warner Brothers for any problem that they had and not just Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon. Oh, I do. Um, And so I think all of the blame with Warner Brothers. Yeah. With the producers, even. Yeah. And like, like, you look at, just to give you a comparison. Yep. So, Coco, which is not out in this country yet, it's out in America. Coco goes for two hours. There's a 20 minute, and I'm not joking, 20 minutes frozen short in front of the movie, which makes that total time of being inside the movie just under three hours because you've got to cut in Uh, we'll see in america they don't have it so jesse over here we have about 40 minutes of advertising before the movie starts so if your movie starts at two the actual movie won't start till like 245 that's including previews because you have to sit through previews and then advertising and Dolby, <laughs> Dolby Atmos ads that we've seen you, for the you last. You get, I uh, know, every years. time. You yeah. get more ads depending on also the cinema you go to. So if you go to an independent cinema, they'll probably wouldn't be that long. But when you're going to like yeah. a Westfield um, yeah. event cinema like or one of the chains. bigger brand cinema, you're going to get slammed with um, yeah. all different kinds of advertisement. And you're just hitting your head on the seat in front of you, like, stop. <laughs> and then the trailers and come and you're happy. <laughs> Anyway, so my point was with that, so Warner's wanted two hours for the movie so they could sell more sessions. And you look at Disney, who are taking a children's film and are happy to make it two and a half hours with no advertising included, like that just shows that Warner's are not doing the right thing by these movies. Even Batman versus Superman and... I don't want to get Jesse into this, but like the ultimate cut of that was three and a half hours. It was a complete rounded experience that fleshed out the film and made a lot of people who couldn't follow it because they're used to being spoon fed exposition by Marvel. Mm -hmm. It made everything make a lot more sense. And the fact, and Amy Adams came out and said her husband watched the ultimate edition of Batman versus Superman and turned around and said, well, why the hell didn't they release this? That made, that was so much better. So really, when it comes down to it, we blame Zach, we can blame Joss, we can blame, you know, reshoots, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, they're not the ones who get to make the final decision. It's Mm. the studio. So my point is, is Zack Snyder wrong for the DCEU? No. Is Warner Brothers wrong for the DCEU? A hundred percent yes. And this is the problem, guys, without going too far afield, is I agree with everything you just said. And then you look at Disney trying to buy Fox. And let's just look at the last two weeks, right? So Justice League comes out making way less money than people expected slash hoped for, even with the bad advanced press. Right. One week later, Coco 
an IP, a new IP from Disney that no one knows anything about with, with you know, skulled dead people coming around in a kid's movie, crushes the Justice League, right? That's Disney. And then they dropped the Infinity War trailer, which predictably broke the internet. And, I mean, the amount of crazy excitement people having over the Avengers movie. Like, people have already... Uh, forgetting about Justice League, and I watched some fan reactions from like fan reactors that are openly DC fans, and they were just like, "Oh my god, this was already better than Justice League, uh, fair or not." Like that's the narrative. And then you've got Star Wars coming out, and it, which everyone's excited for. And then you got Black Panther coming out, and then you've got Infinity War coming out. I mean, Disney is making all the money on all the movies, and if they buy Fox and Warner Brothers continues to get bogged down by bad decisions and controversy among its personnel. We all know about the Brett Ratner controversy and everything else going on. It's not good for the consumer, and I am the biggest Disney show on the planet because I love Star Wars and grew up loving Disney, but it is not good for the consumers, and there's Disney's taking over movie theaters in this country, demanding more money yeah. because they're the only ones that are making movies that are consistently getting good reviews, good enjoyment from fans and making a lot of money. So I, I don't know where it goes. And to tie it back to, to, to CW, I think Warner Brothers or DC needs to double down on this television stuff because it's clearly working much better yeah. on the television format, right? Yeah. And it's it's really difficult as well, just adding on to that idea that Disney very well ca- can buy out the market, is that they're taking everything from Hall H in um, uh, <laughs> what's the Comic-Con or whatever, and they're doing their own convention yep yeah d23 but it's only every two years every two years oh okay but you've got star wars celebration you know so now the only place you can see star wars at the star wars celebration us and you're uk and they don't do that every year How, how long till that train crashes though like i know you said you love rogue one i'm not a star wars fan and I fell asleep in Rogue One. I was so bored. Yeah, I mean the consensus. So the consensus is that the Force Awakens is better. I, I happen to like Rogue One a lot more. Yeah. Um, I think hardcore Star Wars fans prefer Rogue One because it feels like the original trilogy with you know with wooden dialogue and the whole thing. Um, Force Awakens is obviously making two billion, made two billion dollars, more enjoyed by the general public. I actually think that the Star Wars train in terms of film is more potential going forward. 10 years down than Marvel because because they're going to move away from this whole Skywalker storyline thing or a that um, B they've proven that Disney can do a dark a darker vibe at PG-13 which they haven't really done mm-hmm. in the past I mean the fact that Star Wars is their darkest property right now is interesting Last Jedi <laughs> is going to be very very dark if anyone's seen the trailer and seeing Rey getting tortured mm-hmm. and so forth it's going to be dark and Ryan oh, Johnson is scary. a dark sci-fi director um, on top of that though let's keep in mind Star Wars began in film right so all the other media yeah. TV books comic books yeah. come from the movies whereas with comic books you're always fighting against the fact that they are supposed to be in comic books and you're translating them to the movies. And I would say overall, yeah. guys, even with the DCEU problems, even with some really bad Marvel movies like Iron Man 2 and very mediocre ones like uh, Doctor Strange and ones that are way overrated, in my opinion, like Guardians 2, for example, you know, uh, overall, there have been more good comic book movies than bad comic book movies considering how badly this could all go. And let's say since... Batman Begins in, what, 2005, 2006, right? So, Mm. uh, but that being said, 
Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has had lots of problems, and Humans is a disaster. The Netflix stuff is yeah. mostly overrated, other than Jessica Jones, which is my favorite show of the last few years. And, Amen. And as they've revealed Jessica Jones is actually more watched than Daredevil, which is against what mo- most people think. And Disney's pulling out of Netflix as well for their own channel, so that's going to be off. Um, <laughs> and so ABC's having problems. Um, and so just in terms of the movies, uh, I, I actually think, and also Star Wars just making one a year, and actually they're going to take a year or two off after episode 9 in 2019 um, to recalibrate uh, because Ryan uh, Johnson's okay. heading up this new trilogy and that's going to take a few years to go off to get off the ground um, and because they've had some problems with firing directors and so forth they want to kind of recalibrate and figure out what they want to do in the future um, so I, I think yeah. there is actually more hope well hope is a you know rebellions are built on hope right Brittany um, but uh, yeah, absolutely <laughs> but, but, but you just yeah. got to be careful that you don't choke on your ambition <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I think I got that wrong, but I was just trying. So, you know. That going. being said, <laughs> what do you think, honestly, about we've got this universe? We've got Henry Cavill, Gal Gadot, maybe Ben Affleck, according to the internet. Um, shifting them from movies to TV shows, mm-hmm. and instead of like, you know, just doing a CW um, budget, making it the same budget you'd put on a movie and shoving it on their new DC streaming channel that's coming next year, how would that translate? And do you think it would work? Sorry to completely derail the crossover. The funny thing, I was just just thinking, actually, this is good because I think you know, talking about all DC stuff is it will make this a very juicy podcast. But the funny thing is, is that money is very helpful. It is, however, it can it can stifle creativity. This is this is my thinking Definitely. because one time I heard about a stage director who got every single every single like bit of money that she wanted to make this production. However, at the end of it. It was the worst production she had ever done because she didn't have to push herself to figure out, okay, if I don't get this, how do I do something else? And sometimes landing on the second idea instead of the first, you create something better. Mm-hmm. So if they did come to TV, I think I agree with Jesse because I'm pretty sure Jesse was saying, yeah, it will be better. I think it will be better. I think, mm-hmm. however, DC should start looking at doing things like the Netflix um, Marvel shows in that they're a little bit darker. Like, Arrow's well, great yeah, and it's getting I mean. a lot better, but I think that, yeah, definitely they should go to um, maybe not as high as the crazy budgets of film, but definitely allow for um, yeah. mature, like, more mature content instead of like cutting yeah. away when, I don't know. I, I said that I think if, if Arrow w- could be on Netflix and be as dark as it should be and you know they stepped up the mm-hmm. writing a little bit, that would probably be my favorite show on television. That would definitely be my favorite show mm-hmm. on television, yeah. Yeah. Well, they could, well, yeah, I was going to say like they could easily make a Man of Steel, Wonder Woman, The Batman, and Justice League show straight off the bat and do maybe eight to ten episodes per season, even six like we don't have to over, you know, we don't have to do the full, go full Punisher and do thirteen episodes full of rubbish. Um, we could just have you know six to eight movie style episodes, see how they go, and then year two, do we do it? Yep. 
Cool. I would I would bite back on on that suggestion. I would say I don't want Wonder Woman and Superman and and Batman because the amount of attention that the B grade characters are getting on the television shows is amazing. I love the fact that we have Black Canary there. I love the fact that Green Arrow is there. Like I know they're not really tiny characters, mm-hmm. but you get a lot more of the lesser known characters on Legends, yeah. but they get their chance to shine. And I well, love that because the writers have more wiggle room as well to create other things like Diggle. Diggle has been like, yeah, he's had his lows, but he's been a great character. Thea, she's a combination of a few characters. Felicity Smoke, she took the name from one character, but has become something else. That was a bit of a quote from the television Ah. show. And I think the fact that they've been able to use smaller characters has given them a bit more wiggle room in the story. Is that another joke about Felicity? Smaller characters? Yeah, Thea? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you can imagine, though, if they had bigger characters, they would have so much more restrictions. I mean, Stephen Amell had to ask for permission to even reference Bruce Wayne in one of the television episodes. The the writers were all okay with it. They were like, yeah, sure, do it. That'll be fun. But it gets to the point where Batman is so contracted, I guess is the right word. Legally, he's so hard to be free with. I'm happy to never see another Batman movie for 20 years, to be mm. honest. Um, I think the Wonder Woman success is a good tonal shift mm. to seeing characters we haven't seen on screen before, but I don't know if movies is the right way to go. The problem is is that Warner's had so much success with Batman, Batman Returns. Um, like when you think about superhero movies – back in the 80s and 90s, you think of DC. And mm. there's so many moments in Justice League, particularly in Cyborg's apartment um, in the first bit, where it just looked like the Tim Burton Batman, the set. Yeah. That, that's, that's what you came away with. I yeah. kind of felt like... I don't know, like it could have been one of these, oh, that's just a cool homage to those old films. And that's great. But (laughs) it's just not defining itself as a new thing. And I think Danny Elfman taking over the music, the first time I saw it, I was pumped to hear the old Batman themes and the old Superman themes. And I walked away going, you know what? It actually didn't really work for me. Like, these are different iterations of the character. Yeah. And I don't know if anyone watches Kevin Smith or listens to his podcast, um, but he did a pretty skating takedown of Justice League um, (laughs) a few weeks ago. And, look, his suggestion was DC have a multiverse, right? Mm. Marvel do not. Why the hell are DC not using the multiverse, the main difference they have from Marvel, why aren't they using the multiverse? Why don't they pay Michael Keaton a ton of money to come back and be a Batman from another Earth? Why don't they get Christian Bale and George Clooney as Batmans from other Earths? <laughs> George just, Clooney, though. <laughs> like, clash the whole fucking thing together and watch what mm. happens. And, yeah. well, like, CW's why are they that. using... Yeah. yeah, they are. They are. Mm. 
and that's probably why it's working and so much fun because yeah. it's so different. Yeah. But we are quickly approaching the hour, you know, so sorry, if I, you guys have, have to, any last thoughts, yeah, I have to just respond. Yeah, go for it, Jesse. I jump just in. respond to that. So there's two parts to this question: Can it work on TV, and should and do I want it to? The first part: Can yeah. it work? Absolutely. I mean, if people are paying twelve to fifteen dollars a month for CBS All Access so that they can watch Star Trek Discovery and old episodes of The Big Bang Theory, then DC <laughs> could definitely charge ten dollars a month to, for all of their properties. Absolutely, one thousand percent. Do I want it to happen? All, everything on television? No. Brittany knows this. I love movies way more than I love television. I'll see a movie five, six, seven, eight times if I love it. And I have trouble watching even oh. TV shows that I like sometimes. I love the movie experience. I don't want to see Gal Gadot on the small screen when I can see her on the big screen. I don't want to see Chris Hemsworth on the small screen when I can see him on the big screen. I don't want to see Star Wars on the small screen when I can see it on the big screen. I think certain actors and certain properties need to stay as long as it's feasible on the big screen. But that doesn't mean you can't be doing more and better and more diverse content in the small screen. Well, fantastic. If we, uh, Alistair, nobody, no last minute thoughts at all before I wrap this bad boy up? Um, I feel like we didn't really talk about the show that much. Um, oh, we did a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, there's a really good crossover. Go and watch it. Let's do, let's do a quick roundabout of what you would rate it out of 10, because it's definitely already better than the, um, what is it, the Dominators of last season. Oh, so, my God, that yeah. was horrible. <laughs> I mean, the Arrow 100 episode was pretty good, but anyway. So, <laughs> quickly, out of 10, what do you think, Alistair? Uh, I would give this a nine and a half. I would only take half a point away because of episode two is a little bit laggy, and there are a couple of CGI Supergirls that I went, oh, but I understand we're on a CW budget. Um, but for me, as I said before, this is probably the best four hours of TV I've ever watched. I think they did each character... Oh, I'm so sorry, Justice. And yeah. as each, I think that as each episode went through, like um, Supergirl, Arrow, Flash, Legends, like that's how the episodes were titled. I felt like they did, they showcased those characters in those episodes to warrant naming that episode after that group, if that mm. made any kind of sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I hope this lights a creative fire under the writers and we get a really good second half of seasons and an even better crossover next year. Absolutely. And I gotta say, your review is in a league of its own. Now, Jesse, what kind of what kind of number hey, you got it. What, <laughs> <laughs> what number would you be giving this absolutely awesome uh, crossover? I mean, do you disagree with the absolutely no. awesome crossover? No, give I don't. us your thoughts. I'm gonna give this a conditional nine out of ten. I think it beat my expectations. Um, it was great to see some of these characters again. I haven't been watching again, other than Supergirl and Arrow. Sometimes I haven't been watching uh, super consistently. Um, I do still really wish we had more smiling and less relationship talk. That remains my biggest um, issue with the whole thing. Uh, I do think that seeing them get to kill bad guys finally, as opposed to just injuring them and putting them behind glass. Uh, you know, my biggest complaint about Arrow has been 
Arrow not killing, uh, at least occasionally, doesn't really work with his character. Not that I like killing people, but it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, well, it, it's a great hobby. You should try it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, <laughs> and killing Nazis is always fun. And like I said, they dealt with the social issues um, really well. I just don't understand the jump off in quality of writing uh, uh, in the weekly shows between Supergirl and the other shows. And again, you guys are much more experts and seen much more episodes than me of all of these shows. So that that, that to me is, uh, is a little puzzling. Um, and I think the Supergirl writers help pick up some of the stuff, especially the relationship mm-hmm. stuff in this. Overall, yeah, nine out of ten, two thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, this is this is great because I think we've all voted over nine. I'm probably going to give a nine point five as well, just because it was constant writing. Like, yeah, episode two slumped, but you've won me over, Alistair. It did need to calm down and like and chuck some story in there. And the fact that they were able to do that and they di- they did do it well and it was really good. CGI, yeah, there were some points the CGI did drop, but I mean, I wasn't expecting anything fantastic from, um, you know, the CW budget. I mean, the fact of what they've done is phenomenal. Heck, they had the red freaking tornado. How cool was that? And unfortunately, we didn't talk about that. But anyway, it was definitely better than the other red tornado oh, we saw. Sorry, can I just add one more thing in? Go, jump in. King Shark. I can't believe I forgot. Oh, King Shark is there as well. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so we can say that the the extra characters that we didn't talk about were also amazing. Um, unfortunately, we are pressed for time. So there we have it. It's a quick rundown of our favorite moments and characters. Where, um, but before we do completely tie this off in a nice pretty bow, Alistair, how can people contact you if they want to discuss this with you further? Oh, so I'm Alistair on Twitter, so just my name, pretty simple, A-L-A-I-S-D-A-I-R. Um, you can also find us on NovastreamNetwork.com and Novastream on Facebook. Fantastic. And Jesse the Bizzle, <laughs> how can our listeners uh, get in contact with you, follow even your podcast as well, and get a little bit more of your inside knowledge into the movie world? So you can re- uh, reach me at the Bizzle eighty um, one on the Twitters, um, and if you go to www.bizzlecast.com, you can get quite an extensive library of great podcasts by yours truly. Um, and I especially recommend um, some from the last few months with a wonderful Australian uh, woman named uh, Brittany, oh, who you guys might have heard of before. And it's very possible that there's another podcast being recorded this weekend, and that there's a very big possibility that podcast may be dropping next week about Batgirl, DC, and other topics. Just saying. Ooh. Just saying. I heard that Britney girl's pretty good. Uh, Yeah, me too. Yeah, the Britney Britney girl. (laughs) Brit girl, people. (laughs) Slap you through the computer. (laughs) As for myself, you can find me on Twitter at Brit underscore snippets. Um, I do have a website as well, brittanyhoweth.wordpress.com, but I also write a lot for uh, Alistair's Novastream online pop culture magazine. Yeah, apparently I'm doing um, a podcast as well, just absolutely not related <laughs> to the Bizzle at all. But there we go, there's that there as well. And you can also check out my YouTube channel. Uh, it's just simply called Brit Girl, capital B, capital G, but one word. And I just recently did a trailer reaction or kind of trailer reenactment for the uh, Avengers Infinity War. That was a very good trailer. Um, I'm excited for that film. I'm excited for all the Marvel films that are coming out. Yes, DC Girl at Heart, but, you know, got to enjoy all the superhero stuff. I, 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 think, and, I think if there's one thing well, we can agree on is bearded Chris Evans. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, 
I, yes. I don't think anyone doesn't like Peter Chris Evans. <laughs> no. I just mm, get oh this man, man a right. shield. <laughs> <laughs> I'm jealous of Peggy Carter. I'm just gonna say that. Oh yeah. Uh, thanks again for listening. I have been your host, Brittany. I've been joined by Alistair and Jesse. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page for any Chrissy goodies that we might be giving away on the Nova Stream. Uh, Nova Stream Network. So go eat yourself silly, love your family, and have a merry, merry Christmas. You're listening to DC Domination on the Nova Stream Network, your weekly guide for the DC Comics universe. For all the latest on The Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, and Legends of Tomorrow, keep it locked on. NovaStream.com.au.